Dreamers Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. I am super excited about this episode and it stems from this past Monday's 15-minute fill-up. And so I'd love to encourage you to go listen to that 15-minute fill-up, my letter to my future husband. Real, raw, vulnerable, yee, so many things, so much, but really felt good to um, authentically share my own journey. It's a very personal episode. This episode is born out of that. And so um, uh, how to find your future husband. (laughs) This is a great episode. I hope you're tuning in because that's what you're looking for. Um, Or significant other could be a woman as well. However, we're going to dive right into uh, something that I mentioned in that letter to my future husband, which were five things that you must have squared away in order to really begin to call in this significant other that you're seeking. All right, so get your pens and papers out. It's time to do some work on you. All right. And the reason that I say it's time to work on you is because that is the work that's required to find your significant other. I think we put so much of an emphasis on finding somebody in order to feel whole or complete. And as you get older, as time goes on, um, as you date more, you really do realize that no one completes you. Uh, I think it's kind of cliche and I, you know, send in love to anybody who's already said it or done it or posted it, but the whole falling in love with like my better half or my, my best friend or my this or my that is like, it, it's so important to be your own best friend and to love you and care for yourself first and, you know, not be in that frantic search. And I shared a lot about that really authentically in my letter to my future husband is how I kept trying to shape shift and mold. And I did that in marriage. I've done that in dating. I've even, even literally since that episode, I have done energetic work to realize where I count on men or when I have felt not chosen in relationship and the way that is him it has left me feeling less than or rejected and so it's so phenomenal because I I said in that episode I'm like I'm reading this to you but it's gonna be different six months nine months ten years from now and so it's already different I'm already growing and already looking at the different aspects of relationship differently. So it's just so beautiful and it's such a fun evolution. But the thing I want to say is that I'm doing this work for myself and I'm falling more in love with myself every day. And so when you are truly in love with yourself and you don't have to rely on any significant other or relationship to do that for you, then you're you're a lot more fun to be with and be around because uh, red alert when you're counting on someone else to bring you your happiness or fulfill you or quote unquote complete you, that's just a big old sign of codependency. If you're actually someone who knows and notices that you're codependent, I have a great book recommendation. It's called The Language of Letting Go, and it's all about recovering from codependency. And it's just, it's a beautiful book. I share it on my Instagram story all the time. So if you want to catch a few glimpses, you can tune over there. I have some in my highlights as well. But anyways, we're going to get started on this episode. (laughs) So the five factors that I talked about in that episode, the very first one was me. These are the five things that you have to have squared away 
to really feel confident in finding that significant other. And the first one is yourself. Get yourself squared away. I know I just talked about that a little bit and I mean it and I just kind of want to emphasize that is, you know, your parents tell you, I, I hope your parents told you, I remember my parents telling me and, and I, maybe I didn't believe them fully or I thought like, yeah, yeah, maybe it was too cliche to hear at the time or I heard it too many times to no, to nobody's fault. They kept trying to tell me, but it's like, you can't love anybody until you love yourself. And I thought I loved myself because I was an achiever and, and I was proud of myself. But when things started to go away, when I was no longer an athlete, when I was no longer a teacher, when I was no longer a wife, I was like, who am I? And I actually went through a phase of hating myself, feeling like, what was any of that worth? Or why did I value things outside of me more than I valued myself? Or, you know, I, and I, I went through a phase of really not liking the way that I thought I was or, and then feeling like rejecting my natural urges. And so it's so important if you haven't given yourself the time to get to know yourself, I highly encourage that. Whether you're already married or you're already in a relationship or you're single right now, like it doesn't matter, but I do encourage you to do something solo and fall in love with your own company. My goodness, it's the coolest. <laughs> I might be tipping the scale and like my own company too much, but <laughs> it is really beautiful because when you start to quiet the noise and the distractions and get this, the influence of others, you will notice that you actually have some different tendencies and preferences. That's pretty epic to discover is that, wow, when I am not under the influence of friends or family or where I live or, you know, what my profession is, if I'm not under those influences, like, what do I really want? What do I really care about? And like, what excites me? And when I started looking for myself and answering those questions, I found different answers as I grew and the more that I separated myself from the influence of others. And it's not to say that anybody had a negative influence, but I was able to sort some things out for myself when I actually ended up taking on priorities of others or um, standards of others. And so it, I'm telling you, it is super valuable to get yourself some alone time, some self-discovery work. You can hire a coach, you can do some therapy, whatever. But like the more that you release and peel layers of influence away, your, your natural self will start to surface and reveal him or herself. So I invite you to give yourself that opportunity. All right, so the next piece, the next thing to figure out and have squared away are your standards. Ugh, you guys. So I have compromised my standards many times in relationships. I remember wanting to live in whiting my whole life, and I... I compromised that. I, I changed that and I moved to the west side of Chicago when I got married and I was 
I like I, I convinced myself that I wanted it, but I after divorce I moved back home and I fell right back in love with Whiting. I felt so at home. I was next to my family. I felt supported. I felt cared for and loved. And I was like, why did I ever agree to move away? What are you silly? Are you crazy? Like, so. And, and now, obviously, I live in California, but that was because I still spent more time getting to know myself. But I've exchanged standards. Now, I'm going to tell you one, and this one's kind of silly and fun, but I'm sure many can relate, is one of my standards for dating someone is that they've got to be taller than me now. Like, I have just, I have compromised that standard, and every time I regret it, like, even if I really, really like or love that person, I don't want to date someone shorter than me anymore. <laughs> I love someone taller. I'm a, I'm a big gal. I'm tall. I'm thick. I'm heavy. I'm <laughs> and I like feeling small. I like feeling like the like the person I'm with is stronger than me. And so um, it's just a standard that I have to keep to myself, like promise myself not to compromise anymore. And so there could be lots of things like one is no smoking, right? Like I dated a cigarette smoker once and it was the worst. It was the worst experience. <laughs> His hands smelled like smoke, kisses smelled like smoke, and it was just no fun. And so you have these things that you know you want, and if you compromise them, you don't actually not like that person. You think you don't like that person, but ultimately, it's really just a reflection that you didn't keep your word to yourself. And then you start to have anger, resentment, shame, and blame, but you project it at that person. That person is just doing what that person does, and you're the one who's compromised your standards. So, like, every time that I've compromised on dating someone shorter than me, they become less attractive to me, like, slowly and over time. And I'm like, ugh gosh, like, you know, I just want you to be taller. I want you to be able to pick me up, like things, you know, whatever. And so I know I'm being playful about that one, but think about some of your standards and then think about the times that you've compromised them and how it worked out for you or how it might be working out for you right now. Red alert. Um, you don't have to. And I, I, like I said, I know that I'm using silly ones, but it, it may be something more important, like, what is your, you know, your religious backgrounds or the way that you would want to raise children or your dietary philosophies or just like, it could be so many factors, but you know that you have standards. Now, one other one, which I'm actually going to use the next topic to explain the, the next one, which is boundaries. So this is really, really important and it goes hand in hand with standards, but Boundaries means that you're actually drawing a line in the sand and saying, if you cross it, you're out. Get out of here. Or like, we're just not a good fit for each other. And because it doesn't always have to be like an aggressive breakup and be like, yeah, we're just not a good fit or this isn't working out, right? It can, it can be pretty chill to just move on with people. Um, but you are the one who has to be cool with yourself in order to move on gracefully. So number one, topic is always super important. Number one factor, you know you and you know your your standards and boundaries and expectations and all of those things. And so boundaries, I want to specifically talk about what you will and will not tolerate 
okay? So with boundaries, I want you to think about the boundaries that you set with your mental, emotional, and physical um, treatment, okay? So that we, you, we all know somebody in an abusive relationship, or maybe that was us who was in an abusive relationship, and we let someone talk to us in an incredibly degrading way, or name call, or like be really judgmental, or blaming, and aggressive in that approach, and or or physically, physically they put themselves in dominant in a dominant position, and so. It's so important to know your boundaries and what you will and will not tolerate. And for those of us, you know, I want to slow down here for a second and just be with you if you're someone who has been in an abusive relationship or that you're in one right now and you feel really stuck about that. I'm sending you lots of love, number one. But two, I want you to know you can get out. No matter how weak you feel, no matter how submissive you feel, like that person is um, asserting their dominance on you, it is you. It is your responsibility. No one can do that for you. There's no breaking point like, oh, once he or she does this, then I'll I'll, I'll be able to leave. I'll have, you're waiting for permission. Well, guess what, honey? This is your permission. If you need help, make a phone call. If you need help, ask for it because help truly is on the other side of asking for it. And sometimes it requires professional help. It may not just serve you to ask your friends or family because they may not know how to support you. And so if you're in one of those situations, you're in one of those relationships and it's costing you your sanity, your worth, your health, your safety, you got to get out. You got to set boundaries. You got to draw the line in the sand and you have to say so. And that's, I mean, I'm speaking with such power because if your life is on the line, if your health is on the line, if there's kids involved, you've got to put your big person pants on. Seriously. And it's only up to you. If you have no boundaries, you can bet that person's going to walk all over you every time. And just, ugh, I'm going to take a deep breath in on that one because you guys, you have to have boundaries in what you will and will not tolerate. That can go in lots of different directions. We can cover lots of different topics about it, but ultimately you know what I mean and you know how to not, you may not know how, but the first part or the first way is to start. You know what you're tired of. So just say no more. You you get if you're not driving or look in the mirror, look in the mirror real quick. Even if you are driving, take a quick peek at yourself. Make some eye contact. No more. No more crossing boundaries. No more not having them. It is up to you to have the boundaries and maintain them. Okay? I love you. I love you. I love you. And I say all of that from love. And if you need support, reach out. All right. So the next factor to consider is the expectations that you have. You guys, this one is interesting. So I want you to consider that you have expectations for love. You have expectations for relationship. 
You have expectations about a way that a man is supposed to treat a woman and a woman is supposed to treat a man or men treat men and women treat women. You're gay, you're straight, you're whatever, you're transgender, all the things like you have expectations of how those romantic interactions go. You have expectations about sex and chivalry and generosity and love. You have all sorts of expectations and you plaster your expectations onto your significant other or on the people that you date. You have expectations about how first dates should go. Think about it all. Now, what's really important here is that you take responsibility for your expectations. Because guess what? The person you're with, they have their own set of expectations. And so you have got to know and respect that everyone has a different perception of how relationship goes. And you got to get clear with that person what their expectations are and how they think things should go. Because let me give you a little tip here. Unfulfilled expectations lead to upset. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Unfulfilled expectations lead to upset. How many times have you been upset by a date or an anniversary or a, a whatever, a kind gesture? Oh my gosh. If you don't, when there's a difference in love languages, like for example, my love language is quality time, right? And so if I have a significant other whose love language is acts of service and my boyfriend wants to take my car, fill it with gas and take it through the wash, like, yeah, that's, that's great and it's nice and it's kind, but I would rather us wash the car together out front and like be soaking each other with the hose, like quality time, right? So it's different because you could miss out on someone's delivery of love if you're not clear about your expectations and their expectations. This could be a total game changer. And if you are in a relationship right now, I invite you to check in with that person about what their expectations are. Opening the lines of communication will save a relationship. Just that. Now, hear me out on this because that sounds simple enough, right? But a lot of us are afraid to open the lines of communication because we're afraid of our ideas or thoughts or, you know, what we communicate being rejected or maybe we're the one doing the rejecting. But it's way better to open the lines of communication and have a breakdown in communication than withholding from each other and having a breakdown in the entire relationship. That is exactly how my divorce went. I, we didn't know, I didn't know that we were not on the same page. And it cost me two years of feeling like a naive idiot. Like I missed, like I was like overlooking so many things because we didn't open the lines of communication. And I don't, I didn't understand his expectations. He didn't understand mine. Those were not communicated and it cost us. It costs us a marriage and it costs us both like now being 30 and still dating with no kids. And, and now like we've opened up those lines of communication now too late, 
sister, too late, brother. So you guys, I urge you, I implore you to understand your expectations and your boundaries and your standards and yourself because it, it will totally, like, can you just imagine as I'm talking you through understanding these five concepts? I've got one more, but the five, that, uh, four that we've already talked about, if you were really, really clear on those, what would become possible in relationship for you? What would life be like? What would life be like? Man, I want to switch it already to, or just like, I want to take it into another topic, but you can apply all of these to your career, right? You can apply these to your health and wellness. You can have standards and boundaries and expectations for your well-being. And man, life looks awesome when you really spend the time to like hone in on these intentionally. Okay, so we're going to move over to the last factor that you should get squared away before jumping into that dating scene. Your conditions of satisfaction. This is thorough (laughs) and specific and um, ideal. A lot of people will want to resist me on this invitation because we think we can't have it all or we think it would be selfish to have such conditions of satisfaction because what I mean, I have, I haven't counted it lately, but I have a list of let's say 25 conditions of satisfaction for this person, my person, right? That person's got to be tall. That's one taller than me. Taller and stronger than me, please and thank you, <laughs> if you're, if you know anybody. <laughs> but also that this person does the inner work, the coaching work, that this person is a conscious individual who has his own spiritual um, standards and, and different things like that. And so like you have to have these conditions of satisfaction for one is no smoking cigarettes. Like that is a condition of satisfaction for me. And you have to know which ones you are willing to negotiate and which ones are absolutely non-negotiables because here's the cool part about this you'll meet people you'll meet people who hit maybe you know 25 of 27 and you have to decide is that person worth you know compromising those two that they don't hit or Is it worth waiting and seeing if you're going to find someone who hits 27 of 27? This is, guys, this is simply just a conversation about patience. I was not patient in choosing a husband. I definitely can tell you that I thought part of college was finding the person you'd be with, honestly. And without knowing any better... We got into that serious relationship and stayed in it without really running each other up against any true tests. And so it, it, I would implore you, I know plenty of people who tell me they married their significant other too soon because they didn't find out enough about them. They didn't have a list of satisfaction for themselves, for themselves, for yourself. What do you want in a significant other? And like, if that thing is missing, are they the one? 
And so you're able to continue to look and the I've made this list and I've updated it plenty of times because every time that I date somebody, I get more clear about what I want, what don't want, what I will tolerate and what I absolutely will not tolerate. And so what gets really cool about that, what my favorite part of the dating journey has been is that I've learned myself, I have raised my standards, I have set and maintained my boundaries. I've got incredibly clear on my expectations, and I have refined and defined my conditions of satisfaction. And the more that I have done this, the universe has responded to me by sending me higher and higher caliber men. These men constantly check more boxes for me every single time. And then when I start to date them, whether it be a couple dates, a few months, six months, over time, I really start to see what I'm willing to tolerate and maybe how we're not a good fit. And I decide if that person is worth staying with, if it's worth working through, if I feel like we have great communication, if it's someone I really want to grow with. And you know what's really, really cool about that? I feel much more confident making those decisions and saying that it's not, we're not a good fit. And I feel really good about it. I love myself. And if that person says this isn't a good fit, I'm really, really okay with that. Sure. Do breakups suck? Yeah. Pretty much every time. It doesn't matter, like, because we go through the feeling of a separation. And so just because you have sadness doesn't mean you were a good fit. It just means, like, oh, you you lost somebody that you were recently connected to. That would always hurt. That would always create a new void and a recalibration period. So I want to give you that grace and give you that relief that, like, a breakup's fine, but if you continue to set yourself up and get really clear about your standards and your boundaries and your expectations and your conditions of satisfaction, you are going to find yourself standing on a much sturdier foundation upon which you will build the house of your life. Because if you are building on shaky foundation, it's going to be like building a house of cards that's going to fall over with the breath of every wind. <laughs> And you guys, I promise, it's it's no fun to feel like you're rebuilding constantly. And so if you're always building upon what you are practicing, if you are continuously refining and defining all of these things, you are certainly going to fall in love with yourself along this journey. And then it's really cool because you can recognize more in the people that you're dating. You can recognize more in their, like you can see bigger parts of them. And you can also recognize like when they're in their ego or when they are like putting up a front, red flags become real big and real red because you can sense bullshit a mile away when you're really clear and you are standing on sturdy foundation. Because what that usually ends up meaning is if you're not compromising, you don't feel so desperate. You don't feel, there's like the sense of urgency goes away because you actually know what you're looking for. Let's like shift this to, let's just say house shopping, right? If you know exactly what you want in a house, because here's the thing, guys, 
pause on that thought, is because it's love and because it's another individual, we get real weird. If you take the emotion out of it and then you think about house shopping, you can say, I know I want four bedrooms, three bathrooms, a basement, um, a two-car garage, like very logistical, right? That's your conditions of satisfaction. You want a driveway, you want a backyard, you do, you don't, you want a certain price range, whatever. And every house that is not that, you don't want. You wouldn't even go see it. (laughs) You might get a realtor and tell them, like, only show me houses that fit this bill. So, Do that for yourself with significant other. And here's the one next piece of this is drop the sense of lack and scarcity that has you freaking compromising. I wanted to drop the big fat F-bomb because it's like you compromise out of lack and scarcity. Like you compromise because you keep thinking it's the best you can ever get. I call bullshit. Just be patient. And maybe switch it up a bit. Maybe you're not going to find him at the gym. Maybe you're not going to find him at the bar or at work or your friend's going to hook him up or maybe he's not in your hometown. Like, mix it up. Switch it up, boo. Alright? But quit operating out of lack and scarcity or unworthiness or not good enoughness because if you don't have you squared away, I listed that first because it is first. You're first. It's always been about you, (laughs) boo-boo. Always. And it will always be about you. I learned one of my greatest lessons from a spiritual teacher, and it it was awesome. She was like, you better focus on you and make yourself your number one priority. You have to do that because your significant other is either going to, they're going to leave you one way or another, right? They're either going to leave you, like break up, they'll cheat, they'll, they'll, it'll be over, they'll leave you for their career, something will happen, or they're going to die on you. They're going to leave you in death. Okay, you'll so like in any sense, unless you leave first, but whatever, who cares is you got to know that it's always about you. So set this shit up, set up your standards, set up your conditions of satisfaction and live by that. Because then when you choose that person, you get to have fun in your relationship. You get to enjoy it until they leave you in death (laughs) or you leave them in death, whatever. But you got to get that stuff squared away and put yourself first. And I'm going to wrap this up with one more lesson around self-love because if anyone ever tries to call you selfish for having these five factors squared away, if anyone tries to make you feel selfish about that, I want you to realize that what they're asking you to do is put their needs ahead of yours. Put their standards, boundaries, expectations, and conditions of satisfaction ahead of yours. And literally, by definition, that is selfish. Expecting you to compromise and them not to. Do you get that? So just do you. 
And the more that you do you, you will find someone who is very naturally aligned with you to where you won't actually feel like you're compromising. You can blend. You can play. You can flourish. You can grow. And that is much different than compromise. So keep it all about you. Keep it all about you. I absolutely love you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast. It is time for you to shift from dreaming about your dream relationship to having it. Oh, and that dream relationship is with yourself. The Hearts Unleashed podcast is proudly supported by I'm Hearing Stories, an audiobook publisher and producer. Audiobooks are a fun, entertaining, and leading-edge way to break into new markets and spread your story like wildfire. If you're an author, coach, speaker, or entrepreneur, it can exponentially enhance your credibility in your field and make you quickly relatable. Okay, so good news. I'm Hearing Stories has helped authors like our Hearts Unleashed creator, Abigail Gazda, Turn that dream into a reality, and they can help you too. With I'm Hearing Stories, you get expert guidance to walk you through the murky waters of this process. So here's your inspired action. Click the link below or go to imhearingstories.com and turn your dream of having an audiobook into a reality. 